0: Super yeah, pro yeah. here. I forget which episode this is. Is it five? Ooh, good question.
1: Uh, I think it is five. I think four was the the event. Cool. Yeah. Enzo's lovely. allegedly sending in a track selection, but he hasn't. He hasn't done it yet.
0: No, I'll he's also to, do doing, doing a recording it. of his voice as well. I think just mm-hmm. to prove the fact that he's unwell.
1: Yeah. No. He's, he, he, he sounds said he awful was feeling on the terrible, older.
0: Yeah. Messengers. Yeah. All right. Says it's
2: got worse after having COVID.
0: Yeah, he got some kind of um, oh god, Post. chest infections and yeah, as well really. That's not good. All right, let's see how we uh, how he goes. Well, hello everybody. This is Future Sounds FM. I'm introducing you this time, Patrick Fagman, because we are, as you'll probably be aware, missing an Enzo. Down a member. Down a member. It's awful to be down what a member. we have done is brought in a new member to, number one, not necessarily fill the space, but ultimately bring his uh, okay. thoughts, feelings, opinions and views to the the vapour world. It, so as usual, we've got uh, Tom with us from Donlands. Hi, Tom. Evening. But also the one and only Robert Dyson.
2: Hello, hello. hello. The uh, ex-for-ever-since. Nice to be back on the airwaves. How have you been? I've been all right, you know. Yeah, I haven't been to anything for a while. Went to a little gig called Future Sounds a couple of months back. That was nice. Yeah, it was rubbish, wasn't it? No, it
0: was blooming great. Really
2: enjoyed myself. <laughs> it was good Thanks, in the eyes.
0: But thank it was you very for, good. Thank you for coming down. You dusted off your microphone for us. Yeah, um, dusted been, it down. We've been talking to you for a while about coming on anyway, hadn't we? And sort of getting involved in it. I think the idea was that rather than just me, Enzo, and Tom chatting away and um, doing what we do, is that we would incorporate some other people, some friends, some, uh... Are you an influencer, Rob? Is that what you are? Oh, I don't think so. Not anymore. Not anymore? No.
2: Maybe when we had the show. But then barely. No, I'm just uh, 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 an interloper. Call me an interloper.
0: But uh, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. No, welcome. It's nice to have you here. You sound crisp and clear and smooth, which is the main thing. Wonderful. I just wish my voice could go down an octave.
2: Because it's ever so high when I get excited.
1: (laughs) Tom, how have you been? Yeah, all good. Um, I spent the bank holiday weekend looking after some slightly mad cats. Uh, it's a little taste um, of your
0: life, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how did that go? Was it successful, or was you
1: know? Yeah, it was. It was successful. But um, just as I was about to leave, cat um, got hold of some chicken bones and started uh, splintering oh. them into small pieces, which um, was terrifying. I think that's a What's bad a thing link? for cats. I'm not sure if they're allowed to do it
2: or not. Yeah, it's a really bad <laughs> then, thing. Did you give him permission? Did he have a little a note? No, he stole it off my plate. What? Right off the plate. <laughs> <laughs> right off the plate. That's dog territory, that is. Have a word. No, they're not your cats. Your no, cats, they're, they're my
1: aunt's cats. And I'm, I'm also not convinced they're sort of domestic cats. I think it might be like a small <laughs> small
0: cheetahs or something. They were sort of zoo animals. <laughs> Stray animals. The ones that Gosh. she's found on the streets. Yeah, we love the chicken bones. Mm-hmm. What we are doing though is we're probably venturing into some protected cat podcast territory, so we probably uh, won't go down that road because I, you know, I don't know enough ins and outs to, to talk about it for now. But what we do know enough about is music, sweet, <coughs> sweet, sweet music, sweet music. Um, I guess what uh, it's probably worth me mentioning a little bit about what we've been up to since the last since the last podcast. So last time we were in your um beloved listener in your ears we were talking a little bit about the Future Sounds event it was a kind of a debrief really I think it was an opportunity just for everyone to have a bit of a bit of a breather a thought about what had gone on half the things that we could remember half the things that we couldn't remember but um anybody been up to anything interesting since then I know Rob um you mentioned you've not done anything music-wise since then. Anything else that's been on the table apart from just Fam- the work life
2: stuff? Family, yeah, family life, work-life balance. Really, it's a bit. Um, I'll say it's dull, but it's not. It's incredibly fun. And Tom, you've got all this ahead of you <laughs> yes. when you have uh, your 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 newborn soon. Mm. But um, but yeah, man, nothing too exciting. But you guys have just been up to Bristol, haven't you? Or you have, mine.
0: I went to Bristol. I was. Mr. I met Mr. There. Faitman? Uh, yeah, I I, was, I saw um Jay. As in Jay, who joined us last time from uh, time Slave slash MPF. We went to Tales from the Crypt 2, which was more of a synthwave, dark synth event. Um, a bit of opportunity to blow off some steam with some, well, quite dark and heavy, loud Very music. Nice. It went well. It went well. Ironically, I know Jack would have no problem in saying this, but there was a couple of musical, uh, a couple of sound issues, which uh. just brought back
3: deep, deep <laughs> scars or his memories deep scars
0: and memories always be around me but other than that it, it was very good it, it was also nice to meet a few people that I hadn't met before um, Bristol's a nice place been there once before but yes it was a good time had by all and of course um, touch upon it of course for those synth wavy people that are listening to this podcast uh, for those that are in the London area we have the midnight this week as well on yes, Saturday. Yes, So I think I'm seeing you in the flesh again, Rob, aren't I, for that one? You
2: are going to give you a big hug. Big hug. A uh, big sweaty hug. Big it's ironic hug. because I bought the tickets for this ages ago, ages and ages ago, and then they put on this extra little cheeky little secret gig. Not even Kingston. a secret gig, but a cheeky little extra gig in <laughs> Kingston, it's on my doorstep. Mm. Um, my own stomping ground. Uh, but I wasn't going to go to both. And I can't make it anyway. No. But uh, I would have liked to have seen them in a 200 capacity venue in their intimate
0: environment. But... Oh, you know, well, I'll see you guys The Prism. For those in South London, it's Prism. So many people that have been, been sick or pulled in that club, I'm sure. My God. Many people that have.
2: <laughs> When I was young, oh, it's had several names over the years. I think to kind of uh, erase its rotten, notorious history, so they just rename it every time. I think it might have been Vaults when I was a, when I was a youngster. Vaults. But certainly, yeah, I've fallen asleep in that club. I've been kicked out by bouncers in that club. I've had snogs in that club, all sorts. Fallen asleep on a on a horde of coats and been told to sling my hook. Um, yes, yeah, a nice, it's a nice place. It was a stabbing there once. It's a shame that you can't go back. Surely? Oh, no, oh, it's going to be good. I would have slept through the midnight quite happily. Um, but no looking
0: forward to it, man. Yeah, it should be good. It should be good fun. Um, so, what we will do this time round? I'm, I'm just checking. I don't sound too echoey. Uh, what we will do this time round is we have uh, Tom. You'd had a catch up, it was probably a little while ago now with OSC. Is that right?
1: Yeah, a good couple of weeks ago. Oh. Lovely, Steve. Is when um, He's a nice so fellow.
0: Steve and myself were both teachers so
1: um, uh, the Easter holidays was an opportune moment to um, have a good chat. It turned into quite a lengthy chat actually so um, I think the version that's going out is, is slightly abridged but you know if uh, people want to hear the uncut version maybe, maybe that will appear at some point.
0: Was there lots of kind of it got real nerdy? Did it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, was there a lot That's of that kind thing. of mutual teacher kind of bitching going on or was it all right? No, no we've got a separate podcast for that. <laughs> <laughs> Talks yeah, about yeah. the students you hate. <laughs> so I'm glad that he um, managed to take the time to speak with you and thank you to him for, uh, for doing it. Rob, had you had him on your previous show?
2: Yeah, yeah, we did have him on. And... Um, he's very prolific right because he's done numerous uh, broadly synthwave releases and then he's, he did the uh, the vaporwave version of oh god i can't remember what's the name of it fateman you may no know Pop yes that's, that's the, the one. one thank you tom that's the one and then he released all those like ambient uh, records i'm probably spoiling the interview but i, I love the fact that he put those um, on youtube like his little tutorials where he would strip back because what he does, which is quite incredible, is uh, he he would just revisit a tune, strip it back, do a piano version, strip it, do a different version, do a different take on it, different, different. So he's um yeah he's a prolific guy. I'm looking forward to hearing the interview. He's also a
1: very nice man. Yeah. Was he nice to you, Tom? Yeah, he was. I think um uh, Steve being so prolific and doing you know so many different styles is really the theme of the interview. I I went in there with quite a strong hypothesis that he was a punk. Um, even though he makes this very um, technical complicated sort of jazz fusion music um, I was sort of putting it to him I, I think he um, you know he, he indulged my my argument <laughs> I just I think I think just like the, the you know he's a, he's a true DIY artist but as well as being you know a perfectionist and having these very sort of high slick standards it's, it's an interesting combination I think you know you can be a sort of DIY artist without. You know, making three chord rock and roll music, which is, you know, clearly not mm. what he does.
3: Hmm.
2: Did he touch upon I'm sure we'll hear it, but he's he touched upon the production he's done for other people, like um Neverman's album yeah. and Neverman's next album coming up? Yep. Lovely. Tom's saying I can't nothing. flip him wait. Tom's saying No. Nothing. He's keeping spoilers.
0: it spoilers. He's keeping it on for <laughs> yeah. the uh, See, for the interview. I'll just listen. Just Fab, well, what we'll do, as we always do, um before we go into the main body of the uh, the interview itself, it might be opportunity for us, we haven't spoken for a little while, to get a bit of an idea about what the three of us have been listening to. If anything, I like to think we've been listening to something. Um, so I'm going to throw it out to Tom first this time around.
1: Sure. Normally have to wait for Enzo's sort of two or three picks to, uh, to get my turn But
0: That's why we're being efficient this time around, oh, aren't we, <laughs>
1: Okay, um, having accused him of being indulgent, I'm actually going to be like slightly indulgent myself. Um, so I'm not picking any any of my own music as such, but um, my pick is uh, quite a recent release from an artist called Sky Yamaha, um, mm. and she put out a record called Rituals, which came out on um, I think it came out on uh, VA10. Uh, certainly, the physical did. I think she might have released her, the digital um, as a as a self release. Uh, the the indulgent part of this is that I've got like a um some kind of consultant credit on this project which um oh, yeah. makes, makes me feel like Kanye West or something um, <laughs> but um it's an incredible piece of work so it's sort of um kind of sits between vapor and synthwave. um has this sort of 90s kind of Enya aesthetic this kind of sort of dungeony oh, nice. video game aesthetic um like that's the thing that comes across most clearly but i actually think there's a lot going on that sort of reminds me of things like the art of noise and you know like really really um inventive groups of the sort of late 80s like japan david sylvian blue nile that kind of thing like really mm. oh, really man. and i oh, yeah, um you know sakamoto um hasono you know that that kind of thing as well like this is serious stuff and it, it's it's up there in my opinion um it's a really beautiful piece of work. The album's called Rituals, but the the tune I'm going to pick is called New Bones. New Bones. Can well, I ask b- b- before we,
0: b- before we play it? What what was your input onto it then, Tom? I mean, mean like she, I mean, really, she
1: she just Did you make the tea. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds very grand. So my credit on it is as a mix consultant, uh, but I mean, uh, she just sent me the the record to kind of. Um, Listen to, uh, give some mixed feedback. But, you know, I mean, what, what I was sent was, was immaculate already. I just made a few sort of mixed suggestions and I've, I've got a nice consultancy credit on it, which is pretty cool. A well, couple no, of no. hand claps. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 the, 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 the hand claps are all hers. <laughs> the so sound you're... of a boiling kettle.
0: <laughs> In the background, exactly, yeah. So <laughs> say it again, Tom, and then we'll play it through.
1: Sky Yamaha is the artist. The album's called Rituals and the song is called New Bones.
0: So, Rob, you, to be fair, what I should have done is gone to you first. That was just rude, given that, you no, are, no, not at all. that you've arrived today. But um, as you know, because I think well, we kind of prepped you for the fact that we would be doing a little bit of yes. a <laughs> show and tell on some music. I was, uh, I'll let you go next with what your pick was this week. Thank you. Well, I've been, you know, since we stopped forever since,
2: I've, I've listened to fewer and fewer synthwave records and, and, and been, you know, dabbling a little bit in more vaporwave stuff. But I mean, really, I am going to be quite sycophantic because the, the, the album that I've been listening to most is um, Timeshare 94's uh, new release. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not even going to say it right. Groot in België Is that how one <laughs> pronounces it? Um, and my pick would be Wacker which is the second track in w-a-k-k-e-r and of course tom you mastered this so i am really blowing smoke up your bum here yeah yeah (laughs) but um it's a lovely record i mean for me it's just very broadly in the church of vaporwave but the fact that it was like a labor of love um very specific exceptionally special you know exclusively sampled belgian rock disco folk rave Belgian covers of stuff like uh, Smooth Operators in there it's just a wild ride and something um, you know radically different and, and as well as Vaporwave mate, I can hear I can hear sort of Square Pusher and Bores of Canada in there and DJ Shat can it's a real genre bending Vaporwave album so
0: that'll be my pick it's very good that, that Enzo's not here actually because <laughs> would he just be like he'd be, yeah he'd be, he'd be just back, showing bro. off I'm kissing his yeah behind right. and, was, Jay. W- and Jay and Jane. We will have to at some point, it's how we got here, isn't it? It's That's how to we, so we get here. Drop, drop the, the
3: beast! Bass.
0: Because whilst this isn't a Vaporwave artist, I think um, the most recent release that he's brought out this last week has got some very kind of chill, vapory vibes to it that people may or may not have heard before. So a good friend of mine, Sunglasses Kids, uh, Edward, last week released um, a small EP. Oh, it's For the first time called Nightlife, which had kind of had a, a weird genesis in the sense that he'd, uh, as many people know who follow him on Instagram, he sort of will be up th- at four in the morning just making loops on Instagram Live or he'll do something and then just post it as a small 30-second Instagram post. And I think he had enough um, tracks and enough positive feedback to kind of develop them um play around with a bit more, extend them out. And he's created an EP called Nightlife, which is just kind of real, almost some of it's lo-fi. It's got that kind of 90s neo-noir kind of movie vibe to it. And so it's a whole whole EP of just quite slow, I would say at points, vapory kind of tunes. So the one I was going to pick this week was Broke Down Love from the Nightlife EP from Sunglasses Kid. It's just how does you describe it? Let's have a look at it. Here. He goes, Nightlife is an unofficial, raw, uncut mixtape of instrumentals inspired by late night eighties and nineties, erotic neo noirs, trashy pulp novels. Erotic. Erotic. Uh Desert Motels and Surf Shacks. So yeah, it's just extended edits from stuff that he'd thrown together. And I think he was saying that Um You know, ultimately he'd mix these on, a, on his headphones and just threw it mm. out there. Um Self-release, no 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 label. So I was quite impressed with it. It fits the kind of the vibe of this show, which, of course, we kind of go for, some, for something different to the work the, the shows that myself and you, Rob, have done before. So I've picked Broke Down Love by Sunglasses Kid.
2: Great, great stuff. You know what? I snapped this EP up. For six pounds the price of a london pint uh it's really really good it's it's similar to what duet did uh with outlines which is just release a bunch of small insta tracks Mm. and then extend them and, and, and turn them into a piece and and i know i'm talking over the intro or whatever or however we're going to edit this but um it didn't stranger love wasn't that conceived in the same kind of way uh, yes, for a kind of Insta track yeah. that he
0: dumped, and Ollie Ride was like, "I like that." Yeah, I just think that's thrown together something, and then Ollie grabbed it and it went from there. So it's um, Instagram. Well, I guess this is just the world that we live in, isn't it? There's the, yeah. the individuals that will work on um, work on stuff at home, but at the same time, just creating loops and creating tracks for 30 second snippets, and they become these EPs and, and the big tracks. So yeah, I, I just you know, I, I liked it. I thought I thought it fit our uh, fit our little podcast.
3: Hey guys, what's happening? It's uh, Enzo here. Uh, Sorry I couldn't make it on the pod this week. I've, uh, you can probably tell from my voice, I've been struggling for the last 10 days with COVID. Um, And actually, the after effects have been worse than the COVID itself, which I didn't even realise I had. Um, But it's meant 10 days stuck at home, listening to music, um, just trying to get recuperated, rested, which is hard when you've got a 10-month-old baby. So my pick for this week, um, I forgot, I've listened to a lot of music, but the one that's really struck me this week is Skin Repress on EPR on Friday, um, which may be in time for when this pod comes out. It's FM 84, their album Atlas, which came out, I believe the last time it was pressed was about four years ago, but it might even be six or seven years since the album came out. It's absolute gold synthwave. I'm sure that everyone's heard it, um... I could pick one of the more obvious tracks featuring Ollie Ride's vocals because they're immense, but the track that really um, really got me into the album, the first one I heard was on a playlist that someone made and sent to me. It's called Arcade Summer, so that's going to be my track for this week. Um, elsewhere on uh, in the world of MPF and Time Slave, we've got 80s Stallone's album, Engaged, which is out on Friday. That's an an absolute banger. This guy's an OG. He was in the the documentary Rise of the Synth. He's a real character and he's he's been around for a hell of a long time. Really talented producer. And, of course, on MPF, we've also got (coughs) Miami Virtual 2.0, which has long been requested on vinyl. We've got three different versions, including a fan club exclusive, um, so yeah, check those out on Friday and um, I hope to be back for the next episode. Take care, all. stay safe. It ain't gone nowhere. This is FM 84 with Arcade Summer.
0: Okay, so Tom, is there anything that you want to say about OSC before we before we crack on and have a bit of a chat with him? Or, or sorry, before you have a bit of a chat with him and we have a bit of a listen. Yes,
1: yeah, so I caught up with Steve, Opera Science Collective, to discuss his background, his career, what's on the horizon, and uh, he's also been kind enough to record an artist mix for Club Film... Fing- uh, the MPF Fan Club. Let's go with that. He's a fascinating guy super talented super nice and i think you're going to enjoy this so my interview with steve aka opera science collective science. nice one all right i'm gonna to count to Ah, uh, you went i went on four mate you went you went after four uh that's all right i can work it out from that that's, sure? that's good yeah. Okay. Cool. It's it's nice to speak to. you. I don't think we've yeah. ever chatted properly. I think mean, we've interacted loads, haven't we? But um, yeah,
4: we've interacted online, but never actually sort of talked in person. So yeah,
1: it's one one stage removed from a real life meetup, isn't it? Yeah, man. It'll happen that's, at some point. That's the next step. Well, it has started happening. So, the I'm I'm here in my capacity as um, representative of Future Sounds FM. So that's the name of the podcast. So it's me. Enzo from MPF Mm -hmm. and Patrick Fakeman. Nice. And, um, yeah, we did, like, our first live event just a couple of weekends ago.
4: Yeah, man. I saw the footage and stuff. It looked good. looked good. Definitely got to try and make something happen there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the the name of the podcast, Feature Sounds FM, and to me there's, like, this kind of implicit irony that, you know, know, we we make music, we talk about music that's being made now, but, like, there's the, the elephant in the room is that, you know, the, these genres, so the genres that, that, that the podcast covers and the genre that, that you make as a musician that I, that, and that I dabble in as well is synthwave, mm-hmm. vaporwave, future funk to an extent, although I don't think that really applies to, to either of us and city no. pop. And the, the elephant in the room is that these are retro genres.
4: Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> um, I guess it's, it's one of those things of kind of looking back and understanding in order to move forward um and sometimes when you look back you find stuff that you like and that you don't hear particularly reflected in modern day or contemporary stuff so you know mm-hmm. be, be the cha- be the change you want to see you know and so if you want to if you want to hear music with some more synth wavy or city pop elements gotta make it <laughs> <laughs> you just- everything's cyclical you know everything comes and Mm -hmm. goes and comes back again i'm i'm at the point now where stuff the the clothes people wore when i was a teenager and the music people listened to when i was a teenager is kind of now looked on as kind of vintage retro fashionable and uh aside from that being really depressing and making me feel really (laughs) old uh, um it's 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 quite alarming and it's 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 the first time I've really understood sort of things that like my parents would say when I, when I was a kid, like when aspects of 60s fashion had come back in.
1: Yeah, uh, the 90s was the 60s, wasn't it? If yeah. you think about the kind of, you know, Britpop guitar bands, you know, yeah. those, those were 60s beat combos, weren't they?
4: Yeah, you know, at the time it's like, yeah, whatever, old man, shut up. But, <laughs> but <laughs> now it's like I, I see kids walking down the street Dressed similarly to how I might have dressed in 1998.
1: Yeah, everything comes back. It's about it's a sort of 25, 30 year cycle, isn't it? Yeah,
4: seems that way. So all this, all of this like uh, synth wavy, city pop, future funk, vaporwave stuff, everything that's dipping into, like regardless of what has ever been fashionable or unfashionable, I've I've always kind of clicked with that Mm -hmm. style of source material so um you know when i hear these sort of late 70s early 80s kind of things that blur the line between disco funk r&b and soul yeah i've just i've always had a soft spot for that i've always been a sucker for that that vibe that those tonalities that that approach to songwriting as well um which whilst the tonal aesthetic comes back i don't know that the the songwriting style has come back, per se. Mm-hmm. Like, when you just look at the complexities of arrangements and the the, the, the more, dare I say, sophisticated approach to, to harmony, a perfect example where this is happening is Silk Sonic. You know, the mm-hmm. thing with uh, Bruno Mars yep. and, and Anderson 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 Yeah, and, and, and I think what makes that stuff sell itself so convincingly is that it not only have they nailed that tonal aesthetic of like 70s R&B soul, but they're writing the music as if it's the 1970s, you know, and if you track things back, a lot of the guys producing, writing and arranging in the 70s and even up through the 80s, they were like jazzers who'd basically couldn't do jazz anymore because there wasn't enough of a scene and yeah you've still got to put bread on the table so they they'd end up working in pop i mean quincy jones is a perfect example of 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 a guy who's come from the jazz world into the pop world um and he's just brought all of that jazz stuff with him yeah um and yeah yeah and that all just carries over and uh and that sort of filters out through all of what was going on and you listen to anything from the late 70s and early 80s and there's there's just an 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 air of like like a sprinkling of 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 clever things everywhere Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you just vibe with that because it's hard to find and relate with uh, in the music that you're listening to in the 90s and 2000s you see straight through it if that makes sense like you, you just see through stuff you see through you hear it straight away, and there's nothing to kind of uh, grab you and go, yeah man, this is awesome um, I think um
1: you know as retro musicians working now, we set ourselves quite a difficult task because that a lot of the reason you know obviously there are like auteurish figures involved in in the music from that era like Quincy Jones for example, you know being this kind of sort of giant mm. but but like really like that music was put together by teams of specialists and yeah. we we have to be generalists in this era and we kind of for budget reasons and you know uh technological reasons we can and we do do everything's ourselves you know we, yeah. i mean you're a good example of this because you do your, you know your own video editing and graphic design and play yeah. all the parts you know yeah write the theme tune sing the theme <laughs> tune you know yeah but, um there's something really cool about that, and I think actually that that is is possibly what appeals to the audience. This mm-hmm. this kind of uh, DIY thing, mm-hmm. um, but like yeah, that, that that is probably the reason why the retro music, you know, we and and people you know like us make now the reason why it doesn't sound exactly like the music of the late seventies and the early nineteen eighties is, you know, because we we don't have, uh, you know, Steve Gadd or Jeff Picaro on on speed dial.
4: Exactly. Yeah, and that's. And that's the hard thing actually. That's, that's the sticking point for me. Uh, a lot of the times I, I reach a point with ideas or projects where it's just like I just I, I become very aware of my own limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on, like on an album I did last year, I was fortunate enough to draft in um, a few session players here and there it's all online stuff you know it's like you send them the stems yeah. they lay down a, a guitar part or a saxophone part or whatever and then send it back and it just I just find it elevates things and it just it makes it much more aligned with the kind of sounds I want to be making uh, to begin with even though like technically it's not me making all of the sounds now but you know in terms of the vision of, of what you want the end product to be like um you know, there's only so far that a one-man band can take things. Um, you know, needing those extra individuals to, to to sort of sprinkle some magic on things because stuff always happens or things that get done that wouldn't occur to you. So...
1: Yeah, there's, there's no shame in that. Like, if you think about steely dan or you know the kind of their their solo projects and stuff you know that that became a a feature not a bug right like Mm. walter becker like almost stopped playing guitar he's like well you know larry Larry colton's gonna do a better job than me you know and we can get him in yeah and i think like actually their their way of working isn't too different to our way of you know sending we transfers across the globe because you know they you know you you would lay down the the guide tracks and then you would get one one guitarist in to try a peg solo one day and then that didn't work you'd get another guy in the next day to do overdubs you know it's it's not that different
4: no no totally and it's um it's great like sometimes i do sort of almost pinch myself and i think back to even like 10 or 15 years ago it was so much harder so much harder um but now like it seems everyone and his brothers got the kind of the youtube starter pack that kind of 159 pound bundle of a focus <laughs> right with a, the interface with a cheap condenser and off you go yeah
1: there's that's a, a meme format now it's like um yeah. it's like if you go back to a guy's house and you see a scarlet interface and a you know whatever it is rode nt one <laughs> Yeah, like, and the girl leaves get out. Like, <laughs> yeah
4: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we you all kind of doing this as a side hustle like we both work in education because that's what pays the bills and puts food on the table um and then the the music stuff is like a nice little top up on that income yeah um, but
1: hustle not hobby right like that's that's the distinction like there's an element of professionalism to it, isn't it oh
4: yeah no totally like and this is something that <laughs> this is something that like my uh some friends and and family don't get like they, they always sort of refer to it as uh it's nice to have a hobby that pays and it's like it's yeah, more I'm, than that, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it is nice to have a, a hobby that pays, but this is kind of, you know, if I th- if I think of myself and who I identify as, which I know is a a very first world luxury, but nevertheless, it's like it's OSC first, and it just so happens that I also do some teaching to pay the bills.
1: Yeah, the the significant factor in like which uh, occupation you put first shouldn't be like what percentage of your income you know, that forms. I think yeah. it should be, like, how you define yourself. I had, like, a big flip, but I used to identify... I'd say I'm a music teacher and I make a bit of electronic music on the side. Yeah. And then, you know, my, my friend who's a, a classical composer, I'll shout him out, actually, he's called Alex Nikoparenko. He makes, like, mm-hmm. contemporary classical music, nice piano music and stuff. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a piano teacher. He probably makes 90% of his living teaching piano, but he would always say, like, very confidently, I compose music and I also teach piano. Yeah. And I think like that that's that flip, like I think yeah. it's really important. And I think it, you, you take yourself more more seriously as an artist, and you know you you put more of yourself into it. And actually, you you stand more chance of uh, graduating from from hobby to hustle to you know an element of you know proper professionalism, semi professionalism, full professionalism, whatever. Yeah, you totally. Know, it's a spectrum.
4: I mean, whilst I don't buy into all the like life coaching stuff, like. You do hear that whole thing about like manifest, <laughs> manifest your destiny or whatever. And yeah, the more you think of yourself in that regard, I mean, for the amount of time I spend on OSC versus the amount of time I spend teaching, OSC is earning more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like you're
1: out, you're overperforming.
4: I'm yeah, thank you. I'm
1: overperforming. You're um, what you're doing. You're outscoring
4: your XG. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so, so you know, and, and, and the trajectory, you know, when I can't, because I'm, I'm a bit, like, uh, nerdy and anal, so I keep track of all of this stuff on spreadsheets and whatnot. If I can keep that going, that maybe one day it, it can be the full-time gig. Um, That's really good. I yeah. think um, in
1: Vaporwave, because there's been this sort of anti-consumerist kind of drive from the beginning, there's there is a suspicion of the kind of creeping professionalism. But, yeah. like... I think people need to remember and I, I i can't remember who's who's like take I'm stealing. I think it might be Adam Harper's, but like it's really important to remember that like selling tapes or mm. t shirts is not the same thing as like being Jeff Bezos and like dominating yeah, the act of, of shopping, you know like yeah. you're you're not a hyper capitalist for like selling a few t shirts and stuff like that's corporatism. it's like what people have done. Since the beginning of time, and it's what happens in all economic models. Like, yeah, you 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 make stuff and sell stuff direct to the consumer. Like, there's there's nothing shameful about that. Uh,
4: there's there's a there's a joke in the synthwave scene, isn't there? That there's like, um, it's the same kind of few hundred artists constantly <laughs> buying each other's music, and they are sort of keep <laughs> keeping each other uh, fed and clothed. Um, That's but, how money works, anyway. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it is yeah. important to keep a, some sort of distinction. And realism, I should say that that the people behind these cool-looking online avatars making this interesting music—they they are people that need to survive. Uh, I think
1: it's difficult for. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know your exact age. You probably don't know my exact age. Full disclosure: I'm I'm 32.
4: Ah, uh, well, I'm 37. So.
1: Okay, so it's not much, but I, th- I think we probably might have lived through a very similar thing, which is like a kind of sweet spot of like uh, everything on the internet being free and yeah. it being easier to pirate yeah. stuff than it was to to purchase stuff legitimately yep. and actually there's an element of that now with like how com- like convoluted and irritating like subscription-based models are you know and you just want to own something outright yeah. and it's it's we've we might be going back to the days where it, it is easier to get stuff for free but i i think my kind of age cohorts lived through an era of, of everything being available for free mm-hmm. and I think it's difficult to adjust to this idea of paying for like virtual content you know whatever that is software oh, yeah, totally stuff that you buy off Bandcamp and stuff I think it's quite difficult the people younger than us maybe because they're a little bit more tech illiterate which is mm. maybe scary. a boomer opinion but there's there's possibly maybe, a tough yeah of, maybe a, a,
4: a, a, a the, 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 it's, it's because they're,
1: they're, they're, they're tech natives but they're, they're tech natives with, with touch screen devices and stuff yeah. and you know Apple devices where you know, they just they just work until they don't. But there's no, this is you know we grew up with devices breaking the whole time and yeah. you know um, having to repair them. I think yeah. I mean you're you're much better at repairing things than I am. I think you you know you know how to operate a, sol- a soldering a soldering gun. For
4: yeah, yeah. Iron. I've uh, I, <laughs> what's I, it even called? Iron? Is it an iron, iron. or a gun? Yeah, it's a soldering Ouch. iron. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've I've got soldering iron just down there. It's um, I've noticed that you.
1: Um, You give back to the community by sort of, uh, kind of explaining this stuff, don't you? Like, Mm. I think, um, I've got like a few hot takes. I've sort of been like, uh, teasing my hot takes, but like, uh, one of my, one of my hot takes is that like, even though like you're a very long way sonically from like a a punk, right. Mm. Because you don't make three chord guitar music, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like you're very much like a DIY musician. Um, you know in that you you literally like bar a few sort of guest features and stuff you do do everything yourself Mm -hmm. and I think there's like um, a very sort of modern or maybe even like postmodern aspect to the fact that you put a lot of content out there like what you were saying with this ambient music you know like some you know stuff that you've worked on for ages and stuff that you've worked on for a relatively brief period of time it's just out there it's information you can access it part of that is you know you're doing these blog posts and stuff and saying you know this is how I make xyz this is how you fix cables blah blah blah. it's all information for people who are interested in you to access yeah and I think that's like a you know you're a retro musician um and you're interested in like quite slick sophisticated musicianship and you know techniques and stuff but there is something quite diy and quite punk Mm. about that
4: yeah I mean I I see what you're saying because like uh part of it is uh part of it is never having (laughs) them not always having the money to uh do it but also just um not subscribing to like trends of like oh you must have this software plugin or you must have that thing and it's like look man when you look at what's been achieved in the past with with by today's standards crazy limitations it's like no we've, we've no excuse you've got You've got something that in 1970, any musician would have would have murdered you for. Like the the even if you just even if you're using like a free DAW on a budget laptop or something, like it it's a world of possibility. Um, and and I think I've always been wired that way. And and uh, even before, like I remember when everyone was buying P- PS1s and N64s, I was still quite happy, like figuring out how to complete lots of obscure games on my super nintendo like um i I wasn't immediately wowed by the graphics which of course were impressive and wow the new formats and the different controllers but um firstly i couldn't afford one and secondly like I, i knew i still had a lot of untapped potential in what i had and literally um so over here on my left is my jupiter 50 which i've had since 20... 2015, and uh, I, there's not. I don't think there's an OSC tune that doesn't have that on in some way, shape, or form. Um, I know it inside now. I just, you know, it's like you've got to learn it and get everything you can out of these things, and coming up with good ideas in the first place, ideas that stick and land and have some conviction to them, you know. And and, and yeah, and I, I've always kind of just thought that I'd rather I'd rather have a, some weird and wonderful things. That I have to fix every so often to keep going, like like my Yamaha DX21 up here, which you know it, it adds a little bit of a distinction, a bit of spice that that separates you from everyone else who's using the same half a dozen plugins.
1: I like this um, picture that you're painting, right, of like almost that your your tastes were formed at a relatively early age, and like not to say that your tastes haven't evolved, but like you you've retained things that you're interested in you, you've kind of held them dear like as kind of uh, sort of trends with shorter cycles have kind of been mm. and gone like you, you've kind of um, not been kind of swayed by the winds of fashion I, I, I like that picture like I was saying to you earlier that I, I think I, I've been going back through your discography and like it's it's remarkably consistent and there's like big kind of sonic signifiers that have remained you know from you know was it what early earliest OSC releases are, are when 2015
4: um, I mean, there's there's some junk from like 2013 <laughs> and 2014, but that's really okay. not. That that's that's just yeah. Me. Just it's it's not junk though because
1: see because I was I was go- I was going back to the you know the earliest stuff that's available on streaming and your Bandcamp and stuff and it's mm-hmm. like your evolution as an artist has been, you know, it's it's um, audible and visible, but mm-hmm. it's like you haven't like tried to reinvent the wheel with, with with every release and stuff like I think you, you've you kind of remained true throughout and okay. I think it's actually really admirable
4: cool thank you um, yeah that's not a conscious thing that's just uh, I don't know man you just you just kind of you, you do what you know um, and <laughs> maybe it's a, a lack of imagination you know I always sort of fall back yeah. on certain certain sort of sonic palettes that, that I like more than others or Certain approaches to core pro- core progressions and whatnot, but yeah, yeah, it's just you, you sort of you know what you like, and I think also maybe coming at the, at the age I am, um, you know, I spent most of my twenties kind of like creatively floundering and or like stockpiling a load of baggage that it was like, man, I really need to stop thinking about making music and actually make music. Um, And so, you know, that all just comes flooding out, really, I guess. Um, And then, yeah, almost like a philosophical approach that I I try to um, always kind of uh, put on my students and and also like in my blog and stuff is is that of like just never, ever, ever, ever having your your ears like switched off. Always, always be thinking and analysing everything you listen to um so for instance like i'm a massive chromio fan I, I love a lot of what they do not just musically but i like their whole approach to their online image and and how they stay true to this particular type of aesthetic and they've managed to grow that into a thing and bring other people into it and start their own label doing music like that and all this stuff. now i discovered chromio off the back of a Uh, a hair gel advert in like 2011 or something like i just heard this synth hook i was like oi that's like something from the late 70s or early 80s what is that you know onto google what is the song on the well advert or whatever it was (laughs) no shazam uh, yeah yeah no shazam no um and then there it was i was like i you know a couple of youtube videos later i was like yep i'm buying this album which was fancy footwork um which is just wall-to-wall bangers. Every every single tune on that album is basically good enough to be a single. It's um, seriously cool, and that was a big motivator to like, because I'm hearing I'm hearing everything that's going on. I'm recognising drum machine tones. I'm 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 instantly like, yeah. I know I can, I can do those synth fields. That's exactly the kind of thing I like to do. It's like somewhere between 80s pop and something you'd hear in Sonic the Hedgehog and something you'd hear from late 70s funk. And, oh, man, yeah, that's all me. Like, yeah. So I just started dabbling around with that, those sorts of things and enjoying doing that. So I guess it's like uh, people say, make the music that only you can make. And I, Yeah. It's a, it's a great saying. It has the runs the risk of sounding really pretentious even from as soon as i learned to play piano i was trying to make up my own things uh in my early teens so and i remember a few years ago watching an interview of oscar peterson who's like my piano god um Mm -hmm. and uh he was talking about art tatum who really is the only pianist who was ever who could ever shred harder than oscar peterson and uh he said he, lear- he, he learned to play a couple of things like note for note the way the way Art Tatum did, and then he was like, "What's the point? If people want to hear Art Tatum, they will listen to Art Tatum."
1: You're at a place now where you've got like a, a fairly like strong sense of of self, like hmm. almost like a. I mean, stub- stubbornness sounds like a really bad choice of word, but like you know what you like, and it's like I'm going to do what I like, and you know, yeah. if if people enjoy that, then great. Um, was osc kind of your first project where that kind of sort of uh fully reflected yourself
4: yeah yeah
1: um what it was what's the prehistory then
4: it, it was mostly uh live stuff playing with bands that sort of thing um just function bands like cover bands yep. uh, a little good training cra- yeah good very good training good ear training you know yeah. um to put you on the spot Yeah, i've, I've talked a number of times to students and whatnot about sort of be, being called up for a gig where you might only really you only actually know half the set you know and it's it's literally like at the start of each number you just need someone to shout to you what key you're in and it's like right off i go you know
1: Yes, yeah. but then, i mean the, a large like percentage of of what people want you know the kind of wedding band canon i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to say that your music sounds like wedding band music because that's no, no, really no, no, deep. No. But like, but people like to party to totally. disco, funk, soul tunes. Like, there's there's something that's like universally joyous about yeah. it, you know. And like, even like new songs which have entered that canon. You mm. know, it's quite a hard canon to, mm. to penetrate. But like, yeah. uptown funks in there, exactly. and like a, a whole lot of Bruno Mars is in there. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So this music's genuinely popular, isn't it? Oh yeah. Future, All
3: of a
4: sudden, you're sort of thirty years old and. You, you're teaching for a living, and, and it's like, man, where did my twenties go? Why am I still not a musician? Musician, you know? Yeah. Why? Yeah. And so that that's when it's like, right, well, got to start this. This got to start something. Yeah. And the initial idea was a lot less egocentric. It was. It was the whole reason it's called uh, the collective is that my plan was that it it would be a collective. I'd, I'd pull in people I knew. Um, and kind of just try and make a, a platform where if they wanted to do something electronic and experimental, collaboratively with other people, we'd pull it in and work on it and put it out that way. Um, but it's just, it's actually, I, I mean, it was very naive of me, I think. The big signifier, the big kind of identifier was uh, the Yellow Magic Orchestra, right? 3 They're two, not an orchestra. They're not an orchestra, but they are three very cool dudes Who all had really strong solo projects that they were constantly running at the same time as doing this amazing pioneering experimental electronic music. And my idea was have something that you could abbreviate to three letters that could pull people in, use to like, you know, make stuff collectively like the Yellow Magic Orchestra would do. But then everyone's also got their own sideline solo projects going on as well. So, you know, whilst I would contribute to the OSC stuff. I would probably also then come up with some other outlet for music release that only I've made Um, but just to kind of fill a gap and test the waters I put out some stuff that I alone had made under the banner of OSC Um, and during that time some people that were initially interested kind of flaked out and I understand they had stuff going on, you know. Uh, it, was all, it was all fine, like it was just one of those things that it just it just kept going and so I just kept sort of trickling things out under the OSC banner and then after a while it, it developed a tiny little following like 100 or 200 odd people on Twitter and it was mostly done off the back of uh, the video game music community. Um, cause I was okay. as I, almost as a way of just kind of experimenting, finding my feet a bit more. Um, cause I haven't really done anything in terms of electronic music production since university. So, you know, there's like a bit, you know, there's a 10 year gap, give or take. And, um, so I was sort of refinding myself, um, in terms of electronic music and, uh, yeah. So a great way to do that I found was to, Download just a MIDI file of a tune from a video game that I knew and loved, and pick it apart and just start rearranging it and yeah. putting new sounds on new drums and all the rest, um, and exploring what the synths that were just stock within Logic could really do, um, and yeah, just go from there. And and then that ended up sort of by chance um, coming across some guys that ran the Radio Sega uh which Mm -hmm. is just a community online uh radio station that just plays music from sega games and they have a remix show on a friday night and so they would put a song on and then they'd invite me into their this is before discord server so into their irc their internet relay chat and uh you know we'd, we'd shoot the breeze with them in there for a bit on a friday evening and chat about music and and i ended up doing a few things um Sort of Sega and/or Nintendo related, and uh, yeah, that just seemed to just pull people in. And then, and then I discovered Mitch Murder, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. This guy, damn, he is whew, next level. And it, he's, I still hold him up as like the ultimate synthwave artist. The
1: the thing that I I, I struggle with synthwave is you know. It doesn't. 80s music does not sound like that that, that, that's like that's a a, like a French you know French 90s French noughties thing like nobody used sidechain in in the 80s like nobody nobody used it to do that and like I think the the closest I mean some you know whatever like you know like a dead or alive track or something you know like this you know kind of pounding club tracks had an element of that but I think it's like it was 80s movies not 80s music that that had those 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 kind of sounds um but like your music, Mitch Murder's music, it has this yeah, VGM thing going on, mm. it has this like synth wave but leaning heavily on the synth aspect. Like I don't there's there's a lot of synth wave where I don't hear much uh, synth going on.
4: Yeah,
1: um, no, totally. But yeah. um yeah. I mean I'm with you on this. I I
4: don't And City to Pop much...
1: more recently, both of you. Yeah. You you and Mitch Murder
4: yeah. uh, I I finally beat him to the punch on that one as well. Like the number of times I've had an idea, um, and then, whilst I'm working on that idea, he's released something that's just like it. I'm like, oh, oh he's done it so, again. So, you,
1: you're man, you're man, um, actually, uh predates his... Yeah. his
4: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. You know, so I managed, to, like, a month after I released mine, he released his, and everyone went, oh, this is amazing. I was like, nice. yeah, but... Uh, I, I, I finally beamed to the punch. Or something. That's but cool. There's so, so like something
1: re- in the water, right? You know, when stuff yeah. like that happens, right?
4: Yeah. Like- oh, man, I've got all the time in the world for Mitch Murder. He is just brilliant. The, mm-hmm. you know, he's one of those few producers where I listen to his work and I'm still like, how? How? <laughs> it gets me fired up. You just hear it and you're like, that's bonkers, but it's absolute genius. You know, it, in the same vein that like when you listen to something like Songs in the Key of Life, by stevie wonder and there's there's so much interesting moments in every song all the time and it still blows my mind because i listen to it countless times and every time i'm like what what on earth possessed him to do that and yet it's so Mm -hmm. perfect that's just yeah. staggeringly brilliant i love
1: that um you know it's like there's there's kind of ballads and stuff and then there's like a jazz fusion like absolute yeah. shred fest in yeah. contusion or whatever you know like yeah. that those can sit on the the same yeah. double record i love that sort of yeah. late yeah. 70s kind of spirit of excess
4: yeah it's just amazing but yeah so mm-hmm. yes i am mean, anyway going back to synthwave. i'm fully with you on that i don't listen to much i listen to mitch um yeah in the early days I sort of was like like everyone seems to do it they find Synthwave and they go wow nostalgia binge wicked Mm -hmm. and they dive into it and they listen to loads of stuff but um, yeah, and and that's not for me. I, I don't really like making stuff with arpeggio bass notes. Um,
1: I was sort of going back through your your early catalog, and you know, half expecting to hear that, and like it, it, it basically never never happens, right? No, like, there's a couple that's... of
4: moments on my. I did an EP called "I Wish My Car Was a Transformer," which is is in itself like an ironic kind of. Even though I'm still trying to learn how to make synthwave at that point, I'm already making fun of it.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, that's like too many cliches in one go, isn't it?
4: Yeah, you know, e- even by just calling it, I wish my car was a transformer. Yeah. Like, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm slightly taking the Mickey out of it. And you know, that that made no impression or shockwaves on 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 any. But then, I, but then I went down more of the kind of, I guess you'd say, fusing, fusing like Jan Hammer with kind of a slight. Sprinkling of Quincy Jones, yeah, in when I in making Girls on Bikes, and I bought my DX20 DX21 just shortly before that and was like, Oh, I'm using this on everything. Um, so like the bass, a lot of the kind of like pads and like poly stamp things, it's all DX21, so it really sounded off the time, and yeah, and that's what that's what went into Girls on Bikes, and that's the one that sort of like kicked things off and suddenly people started nice. paying attention to what I was doing I was like oh okay I'm obviously onto something here I've struck a nerve and that's that's good
1: I think um, this kind of idea of artists being slightly ambivalent about genres mm. co- coexisting with the idea that genres are actually quite useful I think I think that's like a kind of nice cognitive dissonance yeah. to, to maintain because like I think about you know my like uh sort of master master i was gonna say master chef i'm I'm not that good at cooking my mastermind kind of uh area of expertise is probably like uh 20th century minimalism so like steve Reich, philip glass whatever that kind of thing and like these guys are all like oh no i'm not a minimalist i I hate that tag and Mm. it's like well that that term has really served you well because it's just like a very useful way to identify yourself and i think artists love having like a little kind of genre tag to help them sell you know tickets get bums on seats sell records and stuff and then they can be very sort of you know you can be like a a lovey about it and push against it and i think like in 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 your case like having you know being associated with synthwave Mm. without being a synthwave artist is like brilliant having your cake and eating it and like the parallels with like my own um like vaporwave projects you know particularly donor lens which which i do with with jay we're not vaporwave artists in 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 so many ways, but you know, it's it's useful. Like even like George Clanton, who's like a big figurehead for the scene, is like he's really, really upfront about it. He's like Vaporwave like I don't make Vaporwave, but like it seems to be like a good marketing term and it like seems to kick the algorithms yeah. into oh overdrive. So yeah. you tag something
4: hashtag vaporwave and like several bots will instantly retweet it and then yeah. you know, um and yeah. Yeah. useful.
1: And it, Genres are useful.
4: Yeah completely I mean like if I'm being entirely honest like the whole reasoning behind doing the the Vaporwave version of You May Know Machi was I wanted to make an album that sounded like the reference material that Vaporwave artists were sampling because as as enjoyable as hearing everything slowed down with reverb is (laughs) it's like I can't escape that I just want to listen to the source material um And I wanted to make something like that, so I did. And then, while I was make, early on in the, in the production process, um, I just, out of curiosity, I stuck the very speed on Logic and notched it down like 10 or 20% and was like, this, this is Vaporwave. This sounds like mm-hmm. Vaporwave completely. I've got I've to do this like proper. Like, I'm going to make the whole album and then I'm going to make entirely Vaporwave. Um, A, because it's an interesting thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. But B, it will probably help me pull in new audiences, yeah. and I don't see that as a bad thing to do. No. If if me pouring my heart into something creative and making something fun means someone else wants to pay me for that, then that's brilliant, isn't that like a, a wonderful way yeah. to, to to earn a, a modest income? And yeah, yeah, so that was the reasoning behind. Um, making the vaporwave version of you may not yeah. actually. Um, yeah,
1: that's not cynical. I, I don't think that's cynical, no, and no, I don't I, think you have to pretend like, oh, you know, my absolute favorite music is is vaporwave music. Like in in order to kind of participate in that scene, like that yeah. you can have like varying levels of engagement, and it's not. Yeah, I don't think that's that's a cynical move. I think it's just it's it's uh, presenting an option presenting mm. presenting your audience with a choice because you know you you say you know you can purchase this version which is you know how it was originally conceived or mm. you can purchase this version which does like interesting sort of temporal effects and stuff there may well be people who really like the kind of blistered blistered out slowed down version oh there are yeah there, some, some people yeah.
4: are like completely all over the vapor edition like, yeah I, I, I had you know i had the odd bits of feedback when it first came out and some people were like loving the loving the vapour version uh, you know or some Mm -hmm. people that were like yeah not interested in the vapour version yeah that's fine it's like great either or you know don't mind yeah yeah
1: future this it's like a complex thing to wrestle with this idea that like music is very democratic now and you know what we were saying earlier you know laptop red box yeah microphone to plug into red box um audacity or whatever ableton live like free software off you go it's difficult for us to let go of the fact that, like, artists making music like that way, you know, with with you know whatever, a couple, you know, a few hours of experience under their belt, you yeah. know, may well become, you know, more mm-hmm. popular, and they might make better art than us with like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, years totally. of training and stuff, you know. Yeah, it's it's a proper like ego check, isn't it? And it's like, oh, you know, all all ideas are valid, and I think I think yeah. it's stuff like vaporwave and like you know like other kind of experimental art, you know, yeah. is is like it's really good to kind of to kind of check check your sort of values and stuff but like i I think you know you're you seem quite secure in the fact that your 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 values and you know your kind of musical principles are sound you know and that they have a place in
4: this kind of marketplace of ideas so okay let's say that if i was to churn out um simplified like run-of-the-mill stuff that sounds like other artists three chords for the whole song sort of thing um now yeah i i could do that but there will be other people doing that better than me.
1: Yeah, I and, don't think I'd do it very well. And,
4: no, and why, why, would anyone, why would anyone buy some second-rate, run-of-the-mill <laughs> stuff that sounds like 20 other people yeah. from me when there's 20 other people that sound like that but better? Um, so, I, it, I, in a way, it's probably... I, I always believe it's, it's better to be uh, niche and have my own, like, dedicated small audience who like stuff that is very true to me. The music, you know, the, uh, when I when I release stuff under the OSC banner, it is, it is who I am. And you either like it or you don't. And if the only people that like it are a very small group of people, d- d- yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm too, I'm basically, I'm too old and jaded to kind of care about popularity. <laughs> like... Mm-hmm um you know it's it is what it is and and if i have a handful of followers who back me that's wicked i will always engage with them
1: what you were saying about like the small audience thing right stuart lee mm. writes in his book about you know he was kind of on the cusp of being he could be like one of those artists who sells out the o2 arena and stuff yeah because you know he's like a sort of semi household name and stuff but you know he's also got this kind of punk and uh yeah. kind of anti establishment thing going on and he kind of realized like those those kind of tours are like, you know, unless you really are Michael McIntyre, like you're you're going to break even at best doing that kind of thing, and it, it is yeah. so much better him playing, you know, uh, 150 person venue, selling it out, selling a load of merch direct to consumer at those events, and you don't get those kind of bullshit like yep. 15, 20, 25 percent um, merch cuts that like the you know O2 branded or you know Academy branded yep. uh, venues taken. It's like. Being like a small size, you know, a, in the grand scheme of things, a small artist selling direct to your consumer, you know, it's a it's nice, and b you know you can what what money you do make you you can retain.
4: Yeah, it's, you know, the, it's a good uh, thing to be. It's the thousand fans principle. Mm-hmm. If you have a thousand fans that are really invested in you, and they spend between twenty five and fifty pounds a year on yep. on an album, a bit of merchandise, and maybe coming to a live show. That's goes directly yeah. to you. So that's twenty five to yeah. tw- twenty five to fifty thousand pounds you're making a year. So if you can reach that kind of golden one thousand dedicated mm-hmm. fans who who you know you can with some degree of faith know they'll have your back when you release new music. Yeah. then, yeah. That's sad. yeah.
1: And your your career isn't is, you know it, it isn't sort of. Um... You know, like one kind of less successful album away from from being doomed. Like the, yeah. the worst thing to be is being a, a mid sized artist. You mm. know, I mean, you might have some amazing experiences, but you're gonna end, you're gonna, you're gonna uh, be chucked out at the end of the ride. You know, broke and
4: yeah.
1: old and and jaded. But like, I'd much rather be mm. an internet based musician yeah. selling direct to my fans, or I'd rather be, um, I don't know, Ed Sheeran. Being Ed Sheeran uh, might yeah. be okay as well.
4: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Oof. yeah, no, having lived in Brighton through the late 2010s Mm -hmm. um yeah i i did know a lot of people who were just starting to live the life you just described of having been in or having been involved with acts that were on the cusp of going big or you know were sort of like you say pottering around that mid-tier and Mm -hmm. they thought wicked that's our life sorted and then all of a sudden it's like like you say the, the roller coaster ends and off they go yeah. and and they get spat like, out yep spat out the pipe and and you know they they're, they're working as baristas or or mm-hmm. stacking shelves or something yeah it's
1: but Why yeah not? it's it's it is a good time to be a DIY artist you know i mean mm. we've got more comp- competition than ever yeah and you know you're kind of left alone so much there's a lot of competition with yourself and kind of wrestling with you know negative thoughts and perfectionism and Ego mania, whatever, but, yeah. like, it, it is a good time to be a, DIYer. It's a DIY artist. And there is a generation of people who are more accustomed to paying for things on the internet rather than naughty pirates like me.
4: Yeah, no, totally. Future Going back to the genre discussion as well, like, like I almost have side projects within the yeah. project of OSC. So, um, yeah... It, well, that's it, good.
1: It, you're, a, you're a collective of... You're, you're, there's a synth- synthwave musician, a vaporwave yeah. guy... Some ambient dude. You got some some lo-fi guy with a with yeah. his headphones on.
4: Yeah, it's all my alter egos, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, I like
1: yeah. that. I've I've got a confession to make about about Office Science Collector. So, um, Jay from Donalens uh, turned up at my door last night because I think um he, he he came up to London from Wales and uh, didn't have anywhere else to stay. And um, anyway, me and him were chatting about this and my wife was sort of half listening in and um, she uh, sort of kind of combined a few sentences into one and thought that your project was called uh, Steve's Science Project.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's my next album title. I love it. Uh, I just get, get like a really dorky... Like I, I get, get myself dressed up to look like a dorky sort of 14-year-old kid or something. With nerdy, lab coat? Yeah, lab coat, nerdy glasses... Yeah. there's that
1: brilliant um uh thomas dolby blinded me with science do you know yeah, that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. um what was i was gonna say oh, there's like some really iconic like um learn to mix video and like that's the kind of reference track for the whole thing yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't know it's, if you know um, the one i'm talking about with all the, the little bubbles i think yeah, i got yeah. it that baby is gibson the art of mixing so, uh, it's got all, all his little multicolored bubbles it is it's like peak vaporwave art isn't it it's, oh, it's so beautiful. iconic yeah, yeah, I've got yeah. They they illustrate everything with that, don't they? And it's like, oh, you know, here's what it would sound like if the synth brass was like this. Yeah, loud.
4: yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. It's uh, yeah.
1: I mean, he he's doing a bit, though, isn't he? Because it's it's like really funny the presentation, right? Uh-huh, it's not. Yeah, yeah. He knows this is Naffy is really yeah. playing up to it. Yeah, it, it looks like a sort of um, you know, whatever local local TV channel yeah. or um, like some kind of youth pastor like making like a cool video. Okay?
4: Yeah, but that is that is how I that is how i still to this day visualize mm-hmm. the, the music i make i do think of things as like blobs of shapes yeah. of color that move in and do out. you know what I, I
1: i hear that in your music because like um so you know in a previous episode i chatted to carl from runners club mm. and um he is like quite similar to you i think in that he's got like a very analytical mind but he like his analysis You know, he he has some similar interests to you, but, like, he will, like, apply this kind of rigorous analysis to, like, the music he likes, which is, like, unironically the Backstreet Boys. Like, unironically. And he will, will, like, dissect modern pop music as well, which he has, like, a conflicted relationship with. But he's, like, so much modern pop music is, like, straight down the line, like, Mm -hmm. no kind of panning and stuff. Mm -hmm. Your music, it really is these kind of blobs of colour and sound. Mm -hmm. You know, like, don't be afraid to put a melody panned fairly hard left Mm. and you know something you know it doesn't even need to have something playing at the same time to complement it the whole time because something will happen later on in the right speaker and it all kind of balances out over time like i remember being really afraid to pan things and it's like your mixes are so so boring and undynamic if you just slam everything down the center like yep
4: yep don't be
1: afraid those controls exist for a reason
4: yeah and when you combine that with like just musical uh devices like call and response Mm-hmm. so and you just you call from one side and respond yeah. from the other and straight away that just just opens things out yeah. completely yeah
1: totally. it's nice yeah A little party in your ears
4: yep yep <laughs> oh, with, that's, with all that's the cool. collectives all, all the different steves <laughs> partying partying in the brain yeah
1: your science project
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you've got like a couple of sort of statement albums right like you've got the I mean I'm actually and you got um ideality before it right like those those are pretty much like your two like
4: your equivalent of like your yeah Yeah, state statements
1: albums yeah and then like the around that there's all sorts of things for people to pick and and choose from i think like one thing that's interesting amongst all that you know so we're we're talking you do like different versions of your own music in different styles Mm -hmm. um remakes of video game music uh, one off singles remixes like you you 've done yep. a remix for my my own group donor lens um, blah 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 I think one of the really interesting things which i i can 't think of many other people who do this is concept e p like mm. not a concept album but like that's mm. that 's the thing so you 've got you know um girls on bikes boys on boards that 's the right yep. way around right right yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. right gender right vehicle yep um and um an upcoming one, which you know, maybe we we cannot we cannot talk about concept EP about a, a sport. Yeah.
4: So I was mentioned earlier about like going off on musical whims, and basically I went really far away from the style of music that that I was making with girls on bikes and boys and boards. Um, and I just one day had a bit of a whim to make something like that again. So I I decided to kind of like brush off those brush off those presets and those techniques and pull out that same old drum palette and have a bit more of a play around with that and um, mm-hmm. yeah I I figured it, it didn't initially start off I didn't start off thinking of it as being like the third part and it's mm-hmm. kind of not because you've got girls on bikes boys on boards and then a, a common sense third point would be like I don't know something to do with the whole social clique of the the, the teenagers all hanging out together doing something and it's not that but sort of stylistically it is very much the same as those two eps it it feels like it's anchored in the same period of time it is sporting yeah i guess the way i'd say is uh take the music of girls on bikes and boys on boards and apply that to a context that is 80s sports tv coverage montage Mm -hmm. things so you know when you get to the the end of a sports tournament and they're they're doing that big montage of all the highs and lows of that sporting tournament um, maybe it's like a, a, a a world cup or something like that and at the end of it all um, and they put together that video montage and you get some awesome piece of like super kitsch, retro music that goes along with it. Um, I've basically churned out uh, 20 minutes of that sort of stuff. Um, and then uh, I've managed to get on board a bunch of wonderful people, including your good self, uh, to do remixes. So like the A-side will be effectively like the third of my releases that is in the spirit of Girls on Bikes, Boys on Boards and then the b-side will be some very cool and interesting remixes made by some probably quite familiar names if you're Mm -hmm. into synthwave so some
1: some more kind of left field shouts though as well right yeah 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 basically covering the full umbrella of of genres covered by this future sounds podcast
4: yeah yeah but yeah so i've got this ep coming out um i think it's slated for june um Mm -hmm. But, but I think we're still waiting on the, the vinyl to come back, yet. Yeah, so that's... And vinyl pressing at right now globally is a nightmare, so... Yeah, that, you know, I think things
1: are speeding up ever so slightly. But um, Adele's kind of uh, finished yes. clogging up the pipes, and now um, Red Hot Chili Peppers have done, like, every possible variant of their, their oh, most recent album. Great.
4: <laughs> dear, oh, dear. So, yeah, that's... Um, that's yeah. We're slightly at the mercy of of, of the pressing industry, but and the red hot chili Yeah, but it's um yeah, it's a twenty minute EP. It's 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 high energy. It's probably it's probably the stuff I'm most recognised for, um, if my Spotify plays or anything to go by. So it's it it is that kind of plucky, kind of slightly cheeky, jovial, self aware, kitsch. Funky in places, but always with that kind of like some nice harmonic groovy stuff going on as well. In places, I think, at least,
1: <laughs> anyway. Um, that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's 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 coming pretty imminently. I think what, what will come be available to your fans like uh sooner after this podcast airing is a is, uh, very nice mix that you made for us for our sort of club we're calling it the club classics
4: oh, right, yeah 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 yeah, yeah not
1: necessary exactly. club as in a nightclub although i mean your your track selection is quite high energy not necessarily high energy as in the letters n-r-g these are our disco tracks aren't they you know we're, we're talking yeah, donna summer much. yeah we're talking yeah, madonna
4: yeah yeah there's a lot of uh yeah it's it's basically if you, if you went to a disco in 1983 it's probably a lot of the kind of things you might expect to hear um Because And it
1: could be a disco in the States or it could be a disco in in Japan as well because Yeah. Almost half the selection is um kind of Japanese city pop.
4: Yeah, yeah. It's um man, it's just I don't know. It's just how I how I get my kicks, I think. Like
1: I mean that's you know that's that's one of the one of the drums I've been banging in this in this podcast is that like the your way of working is is like quite postmodern. In that like, you know, there is this um, what do you call it like kind of culture jamming you know like where mm. you know you s- slam one thing against the other yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and see how see what happens like I don't think what you do isn't necessarily as kind of violent or confrontational as no. for example like somebody like Fire Tools who mm. um, we've actually talked about her work before Angel Mark Claude, who's like uh, who's done yeah, the mastering yeah, yeah. for Donnelly and stuff but like her own music is like you know mm. she is like she shreds on guitar and she shreds on drums but you know this is combined with like sort of very gentle vaporwave black metal vocals yeah 80s jazz fusion and stuff like that's a more extreme fusion that's it that's that's more adventurous cooking than than any kind of um more like tasteful fusion that that you or i might serve up
4: yeah totally no like you
1: know there's it's still there's still some culture jamming going on
4: yeah oh yeah totally um but i think i always stay stay fairly anchored to uh my stuff's gotta I I just want the groove I just I want a groove that people can sit back and bounce on and relax on and just be like yeah that's fun I like that you know Um, and sometimes I've tried getting a bit more like wacky and weird and wonderful with it and and it's normally at the detriment of the groove and (laughs) for my own for my own sort of creative satisfaction I'd rather just have a a good groove than uh, indulge my. I wanna hear this avant-garde Osc. Oh no, uh, no, no. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah.
1: I think your like um uh lo-fi beats or like ambient stuff is like quite a sort of left field step. Like I mean if you think about the history of ambient music or the, the prehistory, mm. you know, thinking of sort of Eric Satie, you know, this this whole kind of furniture music yep. thing, or like Brian Eno with with yep. this kind of discrete music thing where he kind of conceived this ambient concept when he was recovering from a car accident and he yeah. was too unwell to stand up and turn the music up on the radio you know like mm-hmm. the kind of ambient music is interesting because it's simultaneously like the easiest music to listen to but it's conceptually quite
4: oh yeah it's, a it, was, challenging. It, was, it was a really interesting and enjoy I I mean you can tell by how much I made like how much mm-hmm. I got into it and it, it it coincided with all of the making of it coincided a, a lot with all of the the beginnings of all the covid lockdowns um and you know there was so much tension in the air um so so much uncertainty hanging over all aspects of life i think i started putting i'd I'd done one album I'd, i'd done the one adventure time themed ambient album called ambient time and then that was proving such a hit on youtube i felt like i ought to follow it up with something and the time was right because there was so much like Ugh, tension in the air yeah. um, everywhere you know uh, everyone was so like pessimistic and stressed out yeah um, that every time I sat down to, to do anything musical all I wanted to do was have like relaxing calming soundscapes and I thought right yeah. Yeah, now's the time um, and so the I think I started it in the February we here in the UK locked down in March and I just spent all of that time just just kind of oh what shall I do today oh this sounds nice hmm what does four minutes of that sound like <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and, and oh I might just add a thing here and add a thing there and just and, and always working off of the context of a TV show means that you can dip into the TV show and just watch <laughs> an episode and go oh wow There's that funny, weird noise in the soundtrack because it's a very experimental soundtrack anyway. So there's lots of weird synth things happening and funny plucked instruments here and there. And you can just dip in and go, oh, I might might see if I can find a tonality that's similar to that. And it's just such a cathartic exercise to to go through amidst the the kind of global pessimism of, of the lockdowns. I think it was probably really good for my health actually
1: yeah it was Um, I mean that music by definition I think sort of playing with this kind of concept of active and passive right with with, with listening and it sounds like what you just described it sounds like you know like you making music was like almost part and parcel with you like yeah. having some time to be at home and watch tv shows and stuff yeah. and it's like okay you know it was it like it,
4: it was half active half passive that's the thing yeah. like the listening is active and passive but the creation mm-hmm. was that as well because yeah. sometimes I, you know i just sit there and i would just kind of play some chords and enjoy the sounds of them for a bit, and then tries you know and,
1: the sati concept like you called it furniture music music d'ameublement, like it's literally like yep. this music has a function, and I'm yep. not ashamed for that. Like, it's not that like every every piece of music that comes from my pen is like a great work of art that needs to be sat down and kind of um, appreciated in like hushed, um, awed tones. No, it's exactly. Like, this this music is is functional and cool. That's good.
4: Yeah, but then also, like Brian Eno says, it should be as ignorable as it is interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and and that affords you wonderful scope as, as as the creator to just to just nest little Easter eggs, especially like I say, mm-hmm. going back to making this ambient music that is derived from feelings you get from watching a particular TV show. You can nest tiny little Easter eggs of tiny little motifs and other things that would normally be one bar or two bars of music done very quickly in the show you can stretch it out over like 16 bars and keen keen eared listeners pick it up there's there's one guy or girl i don't know who's commented on every one of my ambient projects with like a short essay like time posting all the all the all the little things they spot that they referenced from tv shows uh from the tv show and uh you know are these
1: um when you do this it's not am i right in thinking that it's not like direct sampling it's you no like no kind no, of re- no, re- no, referencing no sampling
4: things. it's yeah. it's hearing a melody and then like i say i'm i'm manually playing that on the piano or whatever instrument cool. over like very very slow paced
1: so i've I've whatever. got a theory like, so i've been working on this nobody here vaporwave mm-hmm. documentary and i kind mm-hmm. of put it to to carla maria from runners club and like i've got i i other kind of uh, Retrowave artists who are like sample free but like working in predominantly sample based sh- genres that you're you can participate in sampling culture without directly sampling you know grabbing somebody else's audio and doing it you can participate in that culture by yeah interpolating or or, mm. or referencing or whatever and you know you do avoid a potential legal headache
4: <laughs> yeah no totally i mean one of the reasons the reason i first started doing the vapor session eps I heard somebody playing uh, it was like someone posted a video on Instagram of one of the tracks from Boys on Boards on vinyl yeah. which is meant to be played on a 45 mm-hmm. and they were playing it on 33 yeah and they were like wow if you play this on a 33 speed it's got a real lo- lo-fi aesthetic uh, real vaporwave aesthetic and I was yeah. and I was like wow that's really cool and then and then very quickly my brain went like oh no what if like Somebody like va- vapor waves my music, and then I've got to like deal with all the boring admin of trying to like copyright claim it, and, uh, <laughs> and uh,
1: Might and be I, quite flattering as well.
4: Flattering, but also you know, it, it is on the the idea that somebody might be massively profiteering off <laughs> of vapor waving my stuff did sit a little bit uncomfortably with me. So I thought to myself. Nah man i'm just gonna do it myself like head them off at the pass you know i'll pick the most vapor wavable tracks out of my back catalog and see what they sound like and i was like oh these it? actually sound quite cool quite funky and it, it refreshed them for me as well because I, I don't know about you but once you've made something and it's out i i, I never go back to it i don't think yeah on to the it. next
1: thing right yeah i like, think some of the really old stuff like I, i've always said this but like the the stuff that you've done most recently which is normally what you're supposed to be promoting yeah. i find hard to get excited about because i'm mm. you know i'm already working on mm. something else but like stuff that's really really early in yeah. the canon and i've barely got any recollection of making it it's like yeah. oh that's actually quite fun i would no way in hell would i have done that now yeah, That's no, that's fine actually like exactly. more for it yeah and, but I, um, I do think i mean to my ears your 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 discography is is, is very consistent and like there, there, don't seem to be like major mistake, missteps to be embarrassed about. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be embarrassed okay. about anything in my in my catalog if I was you. Oh, uh, oh thank
4: you.
1: That's just that's that's what I hear. Yeah. But yeah, let's um, let let's 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 wrap this up. But I, I just want
3: to <laughs> <laughs> mammoth <laughs> chat. Long.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll edit, I'll edit out some um some waffle. But yeah, it's, it's all of it. it's been really really good stuff. Um, so yeah, thanks for giving up your time. Yeah, that's um. Fine what's um what's what's on the horizon then what's what's next for office science collective
4: okay so i've got uh i mean i it's now getting on for months i finished the soundtrack for a video game uh that's hopefully not going to be much longer yeah that hopefully won't be long same guy that made kruko block knockers mm-hmm. um that's the smutty one that's yeah that's the smutty one um which uh, which ended up on the Nintendo Switch, which was amazing because I've I in my in my little in my little shelf of physical merchandise, as well as having vinyl and cassettes and CDs and mini discs, I now have a Nintendo Switch game as well, which is very wow. satisfying. Um, Family but, friendly company, Nintendo. Uh, as you'd be Starting amazed. Smart. PlayStation. And Microsoft would not touch this game with a barge pole. Wow! Nintendo are quite happy. There's apparently they used
1: to um, run uh, love pay by the hour love hotels in there in the sort of late 19th century, didn't
4: they? Nintendo is set in a haunted mansion that's occupied with like sexy vampires and things. Yeah, Uh, sexy ghosts, sexy vampires. Who? It's a puzzle game, and you wander around. And you solve puzzles. You run errands for these sexy vampires, and and uh, and then they they, as a as a as a thank you for that, they show you stuff. Um, and it's all very crudely drawn, cartoony. Um, yeah. They stuff. uncloak. Yes, they do. They uncloak. Neverman. I did a, I co-wrote and co-produced an album yeah. with him. We started the project with nothing written as opposed to the first time when he approached me with two-thirds of an album and said I want to make an album this is what I've got so right away from the conception of things start you know all the way from song ideas through to the album title like we've really worked together creatively I'm getting everything out through this Neverman project at the moment Mm -hmm. which is really satisfying if you like my stuff you have to Mm -hmm you have to go and digest this album because yeah well
1: you're very audible in the first one and it sounds like you're going to be even more audible in in this one nice
4: yeah no yeah. i've uh, i've definitely sprinkled i've sprinkled in some some city pop vibes in there and there are some amazing collaborations on there too we've got some wicked guest vocalists uh nice. who they put it this way they are they are of a level where i didn't think we'd get them you know, in in both instances, uh oh. well in one instance David suggested it and I was like, Poof, okay, good luck. And yeah. and she agreed and it was like wicked. And in the other instance I was like, Well, if she agreed, let's chance it with this guy and David wrote to him and he was like, Yeah, sure.
1: Wow. In yeah, both you'd...
4: instances they dug the track and we're happy to do it. So it's like, Yeah Yeah,
1: don't don't it. buy a ticket, you don't win the raffle, right?
4: Exactly. You gotta be in it to win it.
1: <laughs> wow. So, well, yeah. it, Exciting times on the horizon. It's an exciting time to be an OSC fan, as I am. Oh, yeah. it, sounds, it sounds like you're, you're doing exactly what I wanted to, to hear more, you know, more from you in the future. Cool. You know, these big, big vocal tracks uh, oh, yeah. uh, manifesting this, you know, the, the collective part of the Office <laughs> Science Collective is, you yeah, know, it's, it's, it's finally taking fruit.
4: Yeah,
1: hopefully. Exciting. Cool, man. Yeah, let's, let's wrap it up. But thank you cool. so much for, for Well, no, thank you for time. having me. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> what a pleasure
0: and ultimately that is everything from us this time round. um oh short and sweet it has been short and sweet hasn't it, it it's has like been. me well we'll do though rob i think next time we'll just drag you into the next one anyway because i think it's oh. always useful to have an extra extra voice you darlings an extra brain. A pleasure yeah it's been good and, having um, you we Absolutely, absolutely. So is there anything that you gentlemen would like to discuss or advertise or um, bring forward before we close today's today's chat? Uh, like, quick donor plug. Um,
1: mm. uh, Jay and I put out a new single on Friday, which is called Desire Path. Um, oh, see, I was going to say that, but I thought that'd be too sycophantic. Yeah, no, you don't, don't want to go full sycophant. Um, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's... Um, Uh, So, you know, in between albums, you know, we've just been putting out like a steady stream of of singles where we're trying different things out. Well, you know, whilst we're not in album mode, Uh, this one's a bit of a family affair because Jay's Mrs. Kira uh, did the artwork and my partner Flick Uh. um, uh, helps out on the vocals. So it's it's mainly me singing, uh, but there's, you know, dozens and dozens of layers of sort of kind of slightly whispery vocals, which um, me and my partner did. So it's like a
2: nice.
1: uh either a sickening or a sexy song, depending on uh you know <laughs> depending on your opinion. But yeah, it's cool. And um just like we made it's probably like the closest thing Dona Lens has done to like what people imagine we do, which is to write completely original music and then vaporize it, which you know, mm. we haven't actually done a huge amount of. I think people got like certainly when we when we got started people were quite fixated on us being like a sample free act which was never really true Mm. but this is this is like a fully original song that we then slowed down and kind of blissed out a bit and then um on the b side there's a there's a version called desire slush which is sort of 10 minutes of of extremely woozy um (laughs) kind of um
0: ecstatic pop music See, I, I, will be honest. I, I preferred the slush version. Not, yeah, me too. Not to say that the other one wasn't there, but that's just—it's just my vibe. I think it's real and like you say, it's nine ten minutes. It's just constant, you know. Yeah, love And it, it kind of disintegrates into
1: sort of hiss. Yeah, <laughs> I Bliss, heard blissful we, hiss. We got some feedback from somebody saying that they wanted it to be five minutes longer and for the tune to come back in, which I quite <laughs> like. So we might have to make an extended version of this extended Let's version remix
0: but it's a bit like and I know I'm sort of slightly deviating here but it's a bit like the Runners Club 95 remix that you did for I was about Apricot to say that as Young. well because that you know that's really long yeah it's it's you know you're you kind of you're invested in it or it's just on while you're working and before you yeah. know it you've oh, you've cool. you kind of fallen into a bit of a um what would the word be oh that's my cat trying to get in um, <laughs> you're in a <laughs> you've um, been burgled I know it does sound like that apologies you're in a trance that's the word I want yeah. to use trance
1: yeah. Oh, cool! I'm I'm strong. glad you like both of those long versions. I think with the the Runners Club one, we were, you know, having to be the the other remix. You know, where, where the other remixer is Luxury Elite. You know, um, uh, mm, yeah, <laughs> we, we we're slightly eclipsed, on a par, perhaps. on a par, uh, perhaps. We do we do two very different things, and she's got an amazing career. You know, we're just getting started. Precisely.
2: a runners club largely uh non-sampling as well or sample themselves yeah they're, they're entirely they
1: self-sampling so they're they're much yeah. better behaved than we are i think you know we we started out <laughs> with the intention of you know basically doing doing what they do which is a very disciplined entirely legal approach and then um we've just mm. got like uh no attention span and um we lack fo- <laughs> we lack focus which i think is what some people like about our music but um fewer yeah, lawsuits we're, we're not especially disciplined but that's why uh,
0: Error Area was so great <laughs> well it's
1: an ill-disciplined record all over the place
0: <laughs> but well, how Bandcamp you, loved it how do you know when to stop with tracks like that in terms of them being nine minutes ten minutes yeah. does there come a point where you think like, actually you know I've kind of I could have made two cups of tea at this point I could have you know, or is it very much just kind of like Um, Audibly, audibly you've done what you wanted it to do? I think um, this is turning
1: into an interview with Tom. I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah, that's right. I'll Um, touch upon it. Like, I've always. um, It's something I used to do loads in the past and something that I've been doing more of again, which is is getting back into DJing and playing like really long edits and sort of disco remixes and stuff with really long intros and really long outros. Mm. I, I really like. You know, where, uh, tunes where there's sort of a, a three or four minute pop song at the heart of it, but then you've got these, you know, extended intros, you've got a breakdown, you've got an extended outro. I always thought it was funny when a, a track is sort of 10, 11, 12 minutes and then it fades out. That's always, that's always yeah. kind yeah. of, um, yeah, tickled me. Uh, so yeah, we, we've we've done basically that a couple of times. I think just on those two tunes, I don't I don't think we're going to make a, a total habit of all our songs being 10 minutes long, but um, it's nice to do occasionally. <laughs> Future
0: sounds. Fabulous. Um, gentlemen thank you for your time stepping into Enzo's shoes is always a difficult thing but you know mm-hmm. we, we did what we could while he was but then at the same time we were more efficient mm-hmm. I think the, so the, it's not...
2: and it, he's, he's probably only got small shoes anyway yeah. how big are his feet? what is he? <laughs> seven, eight? yeah and if
0: they are they're probably sliders you see those sliders at <laughs> oh he's yeah one of these fluffy ones i think he's got a bit of that going on i think he's quite a pair of them isn't no, it? we will wish him all the best he is a very young yes. sick man i think you, he wears
1: um plimsoles?
0: From... <laughs> <a> little plimsoll, <laughs> little plimsoll
1: oh, school yeah. Plimsolls. Yeah.
2: yeah yeah Like you'd but like you'd, you'd 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 jump a horse over a horse yeah. in your gymnasium <laughs> at school <laughs>
1: in your 70s lessons. yeah yeah God, it's
2: you it's, if you forgot your kit you did it in your pants pants and plimsolls
0: yes i had to do that once it was not, yeah. I've definitely got memories of having to be. They, they just, yeah, you know, semi-naked. They were shit to kids back then, weren't they? <laughs> they it was were like t- tough days. I was saying to my kid the other day when I
2: was trying to get him to do something. I said, "You're lucky because Miss Dibbins at uh, primary school made me wash my mouth out with soap and water, yeah. and she had to look at my teeth to see the soap on my teeth." Uh, it was, it was bad days, man. Dark early '80s days. She'd be in some sort of tribunal
0: under that. No? Yeah, she would be. <laughs> yes, yeah, would be. Um, <laughs> the 80s know, wasn't all good kids no it really wasn't no, it really <laughs> <laughs> the, not, well, the 90s was a little bit better but that's about it yeah um, thank Why you we look at for the your time appreciate it thank Rob, you thank you you'll be yeah. um thank we you, will drag you back in and it won't be much screaming i'm sure
2: we'll, we'll drag no feel feel free to drag me in it's very nice of you to invite me in and so um okay. thanks lads thanks lads, thanks, lads.
0: catch you soon and cheers tom thank you cool
1: see you next time